Inside of asynchronous organizations, the managerial layer in those organizations is on average 50% thinner than their on-premise synchronous counterparts. So that means there are 50% less managers in asynchronous organizations than there are in synchronous organizations. This also, by extension, means that there are more people doing work in those organizations than there are people managing people doing work in those organizations. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wanda and Pattern, and I'm Doug Folks. Along with me in the recording booth this week is the CEO of Wanda, Claire Haydar. Claire, what you been up to? Hey Doug, it's so good to be back on the show with you. I am currently preparing for birth. I know that by the time this is released that um, my new little human that Mark and I have built is very much going to be out in the world. Uh, but yes, it's it's time. It's time. So that's what I'm very focused on right now. Well, I'm not going to stop you focusing on that other than to ask you about our guest this week, who is... Uh... Liam Martin, he's the author of a book called Running Remote. Tell me a little bit about Liam and why he's on the podcast, please, Claire. Doug, Liam actually reached out to me, interestingly enough. He wasn't one of the guests that I went and found. So Liam is author of Running Remote, but he also founded the company Running Remote, which is a conference that is run on a yearly, yearly basis and brings companies that have been working virtually remotely way before the pandemic started. So these are, you know, what you would definitely term if you look at that inner circle that Liam has built, it would be the founders and the the true pioneers in this space. And one of the interesting things, and, and Liam actually opens in this very first segment to tell us this, is that he absolutely doesn't want the title of the book to be running remote. <laughs> he feels very, very strongly that it's not about remote work, it's about a very specific form of work. Um, and when I say form, I literally mean the way work happens and that's called asynchronous work. And so the whole conversation is essentially how about how asynchronous work differs from in-person synchronous work and why asynchronous work is essentially the recipe or the key ingredient in making remote companies and virtual companies successful. So. You know, starting off in segment one, we actually asked Liam to just lay out for us the history behind his book, why he chose to write it, um, it's linked to the pandemic, and then, you know, what the main concepts are that we then explore. And the conversation then goes into some interesting directions from there. Excellent. I am looking forward to uh, hearing what Liam has to say. Liam, hello. It's so good to have you on the show with us today. I really enjoyed our planning session that we had prior to this and just getting to know you a little bit there. I definitely came off of that call having learned a lot. So welcome. It's good to have you here with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Claire. Really excited to get into the nitty gritty details of asynchronous work. Liam, to get us started, I really want to actually kick off with your book. Um, and I'd love for you to just throw it wide open for us. Tell us why you wrote it, what prompted it, and we can go down a few different rabbit holes on that one. Sure. So I think the biggest moment for me was March of 2020. Yeah, March of 2020, which was absolutely insane for people that don't really recognize what happened at that point. 
February of 2020, 4% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. And by March, that was 45% of the U.S. workforce. That's the biggest shift in work since the Industrial Revolution, but the Industrial Revolution took 80 years to do, and we did that in March. So it was a complete shift of everything that you can possibly think of as it applies to work, social interactions, the basis of our society significantly and I believe permanently shifted at that point. And so I was getting phone calls from people that I usually wouldn't get phone calls from. For those of you that don't know me, I have team members in about 43 different countries all over the world. And we operate that company not only remotely, but also asynchronously, meaning we don't actually interact simultaneously with the vast majority of our team members. We interact with them when they know it's the most opportunistic time to interact with us. And we can get into that a little bit later. But basically at that point, I was getting phone calls from people that I would have never gotten phone calls from. I remember a G20 country called me and said, hey, we've taken our 500 and plus thousand employees remote yesterday and we have no idea what we're doing and we want to talk to you about it. And I would say, well, listen, I have 200 people in this company. I have no idea what you should be doing. And they said, you're the first person that was willing to pick up the phone. So I realized at that point, there was a really passionate community of remote workers that had done all of this stuff for over a decade. We've personally been working remotely for over 15 years and we had all figured it out. But me individually talking to every single person is probably not the most effective way to be able to do that. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing and I have to interject here because you taking all of those phone calls is almost like going back in the ways of working. You know what I mean? You're like, can these Super people ironic. just get asynchronous ASAP? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, but Leah, yeah, just very quickly, before you keep going here, can I actually pull you back a little sure. bit? Give our audience some some history here. Why were people, including G20 companies, calling you? Because that's it's important that we know that and understand that. Yes. So I run a couple companies, um, Time Doctor, Staff.com, and the most important one applicable to all of this is Running Remote, which is the largest conference on remote work. I've been doing that for six years almost. Uh, I talk about how I was doing it before. It was cool. It was a very small, committed community of people that were excited about building and scaling remote teams, not just as lifestyle businesses, but actually building you know, unicorns and decade unicorns and doing it remotely. So that was really the basis as to why everyone was calling me is because I had a very unique situation where I'm able to interact with all of these fantastic remote work leaders and recognize what they're doing that everyone else isn't doing in their general work, but more importantly, what everyone didn't actually learn when everyone went remote during the pandemic, which was effectively asynchronous work. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that is really important context there. Okay. So keep going. So you have G20 countries calling out to you. You have all of these other, you know, companies calling you and saying, how do we do this? Your first reaction is, I'm only 200 people. I'm not a 500,000, you know, um, employee outfit. So you decide to capture everything in the book, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. So give us a little bit of, of nuance and detail, title of the book and how you chose to approach it and structure it. Sure. So the book is actually called Running Remote. I wanted to call it Async, but 
HarperCollins wouldn't let me do it, uh, which is probably <laughs> another podcast for another day. It's funny when you get like a publishing deal with a legitimate author and HarperCollins is arguably the biggest one in the world. They are very particular about how you do things. And the vast majority of the time, they just say, trust us, we know what we're doing. So I've trusted them through that process. Um, but some of those things, they may not actually get super correct, in my opinion. Hopefully, they aren't listening to this podcast. But the reality is that the book's called Running Remote because we already had a brand connected to that. I wanted to call it Async because in the first chapter of the book, and Harper said, listen, we're writing a book about remote work. You got to have remote in the title, Running Remote, remote book, right? And in the very first page, I say, hey, if you think that this book is about remote work, you're wrong. Uh, it's actually about asynchronous work, which is the methodology that all of these remote pioneers ended up figuring out way before the pandemic to be able to run their companies efficiently and effectively. And for anyone that hasn't experienced it before, it's a very alien concept. Basically, we don't communicate simultaneously, or we minimize the amount of simultaneous communication as much as humanly possible to be able to optimize for what my friend Cal Newport calls deep work, or the ability for people to be able to execute on very difficult problems, having everything at their disposal to be able to accomplish that particular goal. So this is something that we learned many, many years beforehand. So pause there again for me. And Doug... I'm always guessing this is a question in your mind as well, is, again, for the, the benefit of our audience, let's really pause there and define asynchronous work as well as deep work. Sure. Okay. So I think a really good example that I use quite a bit is, I don't know how old you are, Claire, but I remember Friday nights at 8.30 p.m., I would be able to watch Friends, the sitcom, and... Every night, if I was not at the particular channel at the right time at 8.30, I would miss the first five minutes. If I showed up at 8.35, I'd miss the first five minutes of Friends. And on Monday, I'd have to actually go to school and that would be what everyone else talked about. So if I missed those first five minutes, I, you know, I really couldn't be in on the joke with everybody else. And that's really the definition of, in my opinion, synchronous communication or synchronous management, meaning you actually have to show up and you have to be present and you have to have your full attention in order to be able to consume that information and interact with it. Asynchronous communication and management is much more like Netflix. So with Netflix, I can watch all of the friends that I want when I choose to consume that information. And I can also interact back with those types of platforms when I choose. So as an example, we have something called silent meetings where we use a project management system called Asana. We write down our issues. We debate those issues in the comments. If we come to a conclusion, we take that conclusion, we put it to the top of the ticket and we clear the ticket. And if we have less than three issues before we actually start a meeting, we automatically just kill that meeting. And it's not synchronous. We literally have done an entirely asynchronous meeting. And we probably meet about once a month on average, and it's a weekly scheduled meeting. So that's really the core of what asynchronous management is. There's a lot of other kind of pieces that are required in order to be able to get there. But fundamentally, what this creates is an environment where 
distractions are no longer important. Immediacy is no longer important because you have systems, processes, and really proper operations in place to be able to make sure that none of those little explosions that usually happen throughout your day end up actually happening to you or to your, to your company. Hi, Liam. Nice to meet you. Hi. How long before March 2020 had you really developed and fine-tuned the, the async, asynchronous sort of model? Was it something that was a light bulb moment or was it something that really needed refining over years? Well, this is the beauty of it is I didn't invent anything. Uh, and this book is actually me just interviewing all of the remote pioneers that had already figured out all of this stuff way before the pandemic. So there was already a huge community. And by huge, I mean, maybe a couple hundred companies that were operating asynchronously before the pandemic, but they just happened to also be the most successful remote companies, right? Because they recognized, and this is the real key piece that was such a huge kind of mind expander for me. Inside of asynchronous organizations, the managerial layer in those organizations is on average 50% thinner than their on-premise synchronous counterparts. So that means there are 50% less managers in asynchronous organizations than there are in synchronous organizations. This also, by extension, means that there are more people doing work in those organizations than there are people managing people doing work in those organizations. And if you apply what we had talked about before, Cal Newport's concept of deep work, which is having everything at your disposal to be able to solve a really hard, difficult problem and not being interrupted by other people in order to be able to get into the work zone, the flow state to be able to accomplish those particular tasks. That makes you much more competitive than most of your competitors in the space. And you end up uh, being able to get a lot more work done in a shorter amount of time. So why are there fewer managers managing when you're working asynchronously? So the majority of management, <clears throat> and again, this was difficult for me to get my head around because I've always worked remotely and worked generally in an asynchronous model. The majority of work done by managers in the 20th century model is communication of information, more specifically the communication of metrics. So it's the communication of the boss wants me to do A, boss talks to their board, the board talks to their VPs, the VPs talk to their senior managers, junior managers, and as and it disseminates that information throughout the organization. In an organization in which everything is documented, because asynchronous organizations, we don't communicate synchronously. So we, we communicate through text, through video, and through formats that can be very easily digitized. That message can instantaneously be communicated to everyone inside of the organization very quickly and easily. Therefore, the biggest job that a manager did, which was hey, I need to find out what your metrics are and I need to tell my boss about it and then they tell their boss about it and so on and so forth, effectively disappears. So you don't have as much need for managers, number one, but more importantly, managers can actually focus on the EQ issues connected to their direct reports of how are you, Doug? What's going on in your life? How's South Africa doing? You know, How's COVID in your area? These are the questions that I usually see posed in direct one-on-ones in asynchronous organizations, not necessarily how many blog posts did we write, how many podcasts did we do, why is the production time down, those, those types of things. Yeah, so 
I want to actually share something here that's that's happened very recently to us. So, Liam, coming back to your question of, um, you know, how old am I and do I relate to the friends thing? Absolutely. Like, you and I are of the same generation. And we've actually seen, like you, you know, while I was in college, I went and I got myself various jobs. And I just, I, I couldn't believe that, a company was so hung up on synchronous communication. I, at the time, you know, while I was in college, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age, I definitely wasn't calling it synchronous and asynchronous work. But it just dumbfounded me that I was getting into a car every single morning, driving up to 90 minutes, depending on traffic, to get to an office, to sit in meetings with people. I was like, this is what we have phones for. This is what we have laptops for. Like, why are we doing this? Like, it just, it literally like blew my mind. I didn't understand it. And I made a promise to myself literally one morning. And this is pretty much like the origin of my career and this podcast and so many other things is I made a promise to myself that I would not like refuse to build a company that was an in-person company. I was like, I'm going to build every company that I build is going to be a remote company for that reason. You know, people should be able to work anywhere at any point in time according to their own schedule, not a boss's schedule. And so what we've just seen and what we're actually currently navigating this in our company right now, and I specifically want to call it out because I think a lot of companies are feeling this pain post-pandemic is the reality of these companies that are so dependent on synchronous work actually having to navigate this change. Because what's happened is because of the pandemic, our entire customer base has shifted upstream like really into large enterprise, whereas before we were serving a more small, medium type of customer who was more used to asynchronous work and who had adopted more asynchronous practices. Whereas, yeah, we've completely moved up into this enterprise layer of customers and we're actually really living through that pain right now where we're fully asynchronous as a company, as a service provider and as a product creator, but our customers are not. And so our team is literally going through this like almost like identity crisis where the client is forcing us to be synchronous and we're almost having to change the customer in real time in order to get work done. And it's a very, very fascinating problem that we're navigating. Yeah, we have to a degree the same issue and most asynchronous organizations, there's a section in the book that I talk about where we say, well, how much do you have to work with someone before you switch them from the synchronous model, which generally everyone on planet Earth follows, to an asynchronous model. And for me, we usually do it with contractors that have worked with us for more than three months or agencies that are going to work with us for more than three months. We realize the opportunity cost, and I know it doesn't necessarily work for customers, but again, it's with customers, it's a little bit more difficult to be able to teach them asynchronous work because they're paying you money. So they are always right fundamentally, but for us uh, agencies and contractors that we work with for more than three months, we've recognized to onboard them to basic asynchronous methodology and management philosophy is a value add if we're working with them more than three months because we have to invest our time and we literally pay the contractors and the agencies for their time saying, hey, we've actually built an entire training program here that's internal that 
you can use to be able to figure out how to do this. This is a project management system. This is how you submit information inside of our organization. This is how we interact with it. And, you know, particularly the agencies are absolutely terrified that they're not actually interacting with us face-to-face on a weekly or a daily basis. And say, no, we don't need to do that. You need to actually tell us what the core numbers are. And that's it. Now that also, by extension with agencies, strips away the salesmanship inside of that process, which actually is a huge advantage for me and a disadvantage for those agencies because um, I can very clearly look at the numbers connected to that particular output and I can say, hey, things are not going well. Here's what I would like to have changed. And there's no kind of steak dinner wooing yes. that goes on. It's it's literally just, hey, we need you to do this particular deliverable, execute on this deliverable. And other than that, you know, th- there's there's no other details that we need. Okay, Liam, I know that we can go down a hundred different rabbit holes, but before we move on to section two, there's one last question that I want to ask you, Yo, is can you give us a quick flavor of the companies that you interviewed and who is actually included in your book? Sure. So that's a lot of companies. We have Hotjar as an example, which is an organization of almost a thousand employees right now. And I think they were actually one of the fastest growing remote first companies in the world back in 2019. We have GitLab, which is a real thought leader when it comes into asynchronous communication and work. They've built the largest remote first um, process document in the world. I think there's about 8,000 entries and it's open source. So anyone can consume it. We talked about that in the book. Uh, remote.com, which is one of the largest EORs in the industry, which is an employer of record company, basically allowing you to hire people all over planet Earth. Um, and we've actually got a couple other people that you probably don't know that well, uh, but are really, really interesting people. We open up the book actually with this guy who runs a team of 900 people from a teepee in Costa Rica. Um, and the first time that I met him, uh, was a really interesting experience. And, uh, when we did all of our interviews, he did it at the top of his mountain, uh, naked because he just realized (laughs) that that was his most comfortable state because he hadn't really interacted with people that often because really what remote work gives you the promise that it gives you is you can work wherever you want, whenever you want. And you can set your own rules. So this guy lives in his teepee. He actually paid $200,000 to drag a fiber optic cable through the jungle to be able to get to this teepee, which I think is hilarious. And he basically built a teepee for like 5,000 bucks, but he lives out there and he loves it. And this is what he wants to do with his life. So the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want is uh, significantly easier when you are working remotely and more specifically, asynchronously, which is the key that I don't think many people have recognized. And that brings us to the end of the first part of our conversation with asynchronous work expert, Liam Martin. To follow this conversation and see how it will play out in the future, make sure to catch the next two parts to this conversation on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonders website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.